the church I'd like to attend has been our focus uh, these past two weeks and then today uh, to wrap it all up in this church family celebration. And you are an amazing church family. I love being your pastor. I love the team of pastors I get to work with. And I love the fact that, that the pastors don't do most of the ministry here. You do. And that's what makes for a healthy church. And so thank God for all of you. Uh, our theme verse, as we focus on Christ today, um, we believe in being connected to God and to each other and to our purpose in life. We've been taking those in reverse order as they're laid out. In this description of, of the church, I think God's making us to be and we'd all love to be a part of. It's in, it's in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16. And it says, from him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Now, I don't know if you've ever actually been in a church that actually lives that out completely. My goal before I die is to be in that kind of church, and that's why I love being here. I believe we can be that kind of place. And we started two weeks ago with the last part of that verse, which speaks of our purpose. You see, every person needs a purpose. If, if you woke up today and, and, and you had no purpose for even getting out of bed, I mean, you, you will not thrive as a human being by God's design. God designed everyone. So if we're breathing, we have purpose in God's eyes. And so the last part of that verse talks about how the church builds itself up in love as each member, not a few paid pastors, but as each member does its work. There's purpose for us here. And when we were unpacking that a couple of weeks ago, we, we were saying, first of all, every one of us is unique. There's no two like another. Only cults make us all look the same. We're, we're all unique. But the spirit that God gives us wants to flow through us. And that means that you don't need to be a pastor to be a minister. We just saw Pastor Justin talk about resigning from a pastoral role, but he'll remain a minister. He and, he, uh, uh, he and his family will remain ministers here in the life of our church because God's Spirit wants to flow through all of us. And you don't need to be a pastor. to be. This, this room's full of ministers. And, and so as a result, um, we saw that, that each of us has a purpose that strengthens us all. This strengthens all of us. Like one of, my one of my friends, who I've known many, many years, actually, even before I came to, to Central, and he's now here in Central, and, and he looked me up this past week, and he said, Pastor, I've you know, been gone a lot during COVID and not wanting to be in live events, but he said, I'm really wanting to learn from my COVID experience. And he said, I've decided that I don't want to just come back and attend a church. I want to be a part of it, and I want to be involved. So he looked me in the eye and said, so what do you want me to do? And that's what makes us all stronger. That's it. And then the, last week, we looked at people. That's the middle part of this verse, because there's something also true. Not only do we all need purpose, but every one of us needs to love and be loved. Can I hear any kind of amen on that one? You know, I, you know every human being needs, it's not selfish to need to be loved. Although sometimes... Sometimes being loved is harder than loving others for some of us. It's hard to receive that. But every one of us need both. We need to love and we need to be loved. And so the middle part of this wonderful description of the church, Ephesians 4.16, is this, that we are, as a body of Christ, we are joined and held together by every supporting ligament. That's our relationships with each other. We looked last week at the different kinds of relationships we need in our lives, every one of us. 
needs encouragers in our lives because they energize us. Every one of us needs empathizers in our lives because they're the ones who just make sure we're not alone as we're walking through the, both the joyful and the painful times of life. And we need exhorters in our life just to help keep us on track and keep speaking the truth in love to us. And I'm excited about all of you who are part of life groups. When you go into in the lobby afterwards, you can see everybody wearing the Central Assembly t-shirt like I am. Uh, and, and there'll be at little tables and, and there, there's places there to sign up for groups as well as for serving opportunities uh, because this is what makes all of us strong. But we're coming to the most critical piece today. I've been taking these in reverse order. This amazing description of the church ends with purpose. It has people in the middle of it joined and held together, but it starts with Christ. It starts with Jesus, who in the previous verse, Paul calls Jesus the head of the body. He's the head. He's the head. And it reminds all of us when we talk about Christ that we all need God. <laughs> yeah, we need purpose. Yeah, we need people. But we all need God above all. It's like God is our creator. Some people have described it as the God-shaped hole that only he can fill in our lives. And that hole is what makes us feel empty apart from Christ. And we try to fill our, that hole with a lot of other things. And it just leaves us emptier than when we started. Because it's Jesus. It's the life of God who wants, who wants to fill that hole. Because he designed us to have connection with him. And to be in relationship with him. And so, and so Paul starts this verse by saying, from him, that's Christ, that's Jesus, from Jesus, um, the whole body is then connected and builds itself up in love. This, th this is where it all starts. Now, you know, your head, most days, on most good days, sometimes we do feel mindless, <laughs> but your head normally, you know, organizes your life for you, right? It tells your body what to do, it's kind of the life source. If you don't have a head, you don't, can't live. It's sort of the life source of everything. Everything that the body does flows out of what the head instructs and what the, what the brain resources. And so, and so Jesus is like the brains of the church, and he's the life source of the church. He's the head of the church. And Paul's been getting us ready for this uh, all the way from chapter 1 of this same book, if you, this same letter, uh, Ephesians. Like in, verse, like in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 22. And God placed all things under Jesus' feet and appointed him to be what? Head. Head over everything for the church. And then look how he describes the church in relationship to the head, which is his body. We're his hands, his feet, his voice. We're, we are the body of Christ. I mean, this is amazing. And then he says, and that body the f is the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. I mean, the God who created the universe, who fills everything in every way. The church is supposed to be the fullness of that one who is the head of Jesus. That's, that's our calling, nothing less than that. That's why the church is holy. That's why the church is, we're imperfect, but, but he is the glory of this church. He's the head. I want to tell you, when we come together to worship, Jesus is not the commercial. He's the main event. And God forbid anything else became the main event except Jesus because he's the living head. 
and his fullness, his fullness is why there is a church. So his fullness can animate us to be his body. Or Colossians chapter 1, he says the same thing. Verse 18, and he is the head of the body. Jesus is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, that means he's a creator, and he's the firstborn from among the dead, that means he's the resurrection and the life, so that everything, he might have supremacy. That's why we start with Jesus. We don't start with our purpose, we don't start even with other people. We start with him, connection to him, and he's supreme over everything. He's Lord of this church. Sometimes as a pastor, he has to remind me, Jim, this is not your church, this is my church. And I said, I will build my church. I didn't say, we will build my church. Even though he, out of his mercy, allows me to partner with him and allows you to partner with him in the building of the church, he is the head and he has the supremacy. So in the next chapter, Colossians 2, verse 9, for in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. God completely is demonstrated to us completely through Jesus, who is the totality of God in bodily form when he was born into our world and died for us. And he goes on to say, in Christ, you've been brought to fullness. I mean, the church is the fullness of him, but then he says in that process, he brings us to fullness. That hole gets plugged full, our potential in life, our purpose, satisfying relationships that nourish our hearts and the ability to nourish other people's hearts, the ability to carry out Jesus' mission. I mean, we have his fullness in our lives because he is the head over every power and every authority. Uh, You'll notice today so far we have not prayed in your name or in my name. We have prayed in Jesus' name because he has all power and authority. And so that he is the one who connects us with God. That's why Jesus says in John 14, just before he dies, John 14, verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So if there's a God-shaped hole in us, uh, we find that filled. We find our access to our Heavenly Father through our Creator, Jesus Christ, who also did something powerful to make way, to open the door. He said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Amen. Now, I know I've been telling you stories like this lately, but I got another one this week. I have a friend who lives in the heart of the Arab world, and as you know, this is Ramadan right now in the Muslim world, and uh, he is there to help plant the church where there is no church. And, and I've been telling you stories of how God's been appearing to, as, as we pray for the Muslim world, God's been appearing to people and revealing himself. And, and so it was probably four or five days ago, my, my friend wrote me and and, and, and told me a story of in Ramadan here, um, there was a Muslim man who had a dream. And in this dream, he saw Jesus hanging on the cross. And Jesus spoke to him and quoted John 14, 6. I don't know if this guy had ever heard John 14, 6. And Jesus said to him from the cross, I am the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. And then he said the scene shifted, and all of a sudden I saw Jesus from the back and fasten your seatbelts on this one. On his back was written a phone number. And I woke up, and I thought, well, why not? And so I dialed the number. And on the other end was a Christian believer who was able to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
That's, by the way, why we're giving our money away to help keep people on the ground and sending our own kids and going ourselves, keep people on the ground around the world. Somebody's got to be the other end of that phone call. And uh, Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. He fills the God-sized hole inside of all of us. That's why he's the main event, not any one of us. It's Jesus. He's supreme. He has all power and authority. Will you just thank him for a minute with me? Lord Jesus, thank you for power and authority. Thank you for all your grace. Thank you. Thank you. You reign supreme. Thank you. You're coming back again someday. We just love you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lead on. Lead this church on. Lead our lives on, O living head. Jesus, we honor you today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The one thing that, the one thing then that connects everything is this family celebration. Because if I was to put it together, all together, from everything we've been talking about the last three weeks, God, people, purpose, it, it, would, simply, it, it would simply be this. Here's what we're about. We're about connecting to God because every person in this world needs God. And we're about connecting to people because everyone needs to love and be loved. And we're about connecting to purpose because God's given us divine. We all need purpose. And this is what God's given us. He, he makes you his minister. And uh, it's an amazing thing. And there's, a, there's one family meal that connects all three of those together. And sometimes we call this communion, um, which, which is a term for this that originated out of the idea that we're a community. We take this in common, that we're one people together in Christ. We are his body. Um, sometimes we call this the Eucharist, which means thanksgiving, which comes out of the, the verses I want to read in preparation for taking communion today. And, uh, and otherwise we call this the Lord's Supper. It is a meal. And uh, it, it is our celebration meal. It's the covenant meal. It declares that we're connected to God, to each other, and to purpose. It will declare all three things. And Paul explains this for us in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 as we prepare. First of all, he talks about the cup. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 16. He said, is not the cup of thanksgiving, that's where we get Eucharist from, is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? He's not, now Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. Celebrate this meal regularly as the church in remembrance of me. And it's this cup that especially reminds us of our connection with God because of what he did when he shed his blood. He said, this is my blood shed for you. Do this in remembrance of me. But here Paul doesn't use the word remember. He uses the word participate because we're not supposed to remember just in the sense like, oh yeah, I'm going to church and I just sort of recall that 2,000 years ago, you shed your blood for me. No, it's more than just passive recalling an event. It's active remembering. It's participating. It's saying, God, what you did for me there, I receive now in here. And so he says, we're, we're participating in the blood of Jesus as we receive what he did for us. And what he did for us was he redeemed us by his blood. And that's a bit of a theological word, but it means to buy back. He bought, we were lost to the enemy, we belong to Satan, but he, he bought us at a price that Satan could not top. It's like the little boy who, um, who made boats. He didn't make arcs, but he made little boats. 
And he was kind of like Pastor Justin. He loved to do things with his hands. He could build things. And he built a little boat, and he painted it. This was his toy boat. He was so proud of it. And, and he attached a little string to it and took it out to the river, and oh, he was just watching it float in the river, just his heart just glowing. There was the boat he had made, and he just loved that boat, and he was affectionately looking at it when all of a sudden a current came up and a wind, and that boat started down the stream, and, and the thread that was connected to it broke, and it got away from him. He ran after that boat but couldn't catch up to it, and he ended up losing the boat. He couldn't find it anyway. He lost it, and he was heartbroken. So a few days later, however, he was walking home from school. He passed the store, and there, there in the front, he did a double take because there in the front window of the store was, was boy, that looks like, that looks like, that, that's just like the boat I made. And he got up closer, and sure enough, it was the actual boat he made in this store window being sold. So he goes in, call, finds the store manager, and said, that is my boat in the window. And the store manager says, sorry, you, I, well, that may be, but we don't care who made it. You're going to have to buy it if you want to get it back. So he went home, he scrounged up all the money he had, and he brought it in, and he purchased that boat back. And as he came out of the store, he was just holding that boat. He was just hugging that boat. He was looking at it affectionately, and he says, little boat, now you are twice owned. First I made you, and then I bought you. I read that, and I thought, that's what Jesus did for me. I can be, because of his blood, I can be twice owned. He made me, and then I was lost. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I was lost and apart from him, but he didn't, he didn't leave it there. He saw me, so I recognize you. I made you, and so he shed his blood to redeem us, to buy us back so that every one of us would be twice owned. And then Paul said, the bread, continuing in verse 16, and is not the bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Because the night before he was crucified, Jesus took bread, broke it, and said, this is my body broken for you. By his wounds we're healed. But Paul adds this amazing additional insight because in some sense we're all the body of Christ right now where his fullness is to dwell in us. He says, because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all share the one loaf. Now, because of COVID, you're just getting the wafer, although usually we just send out to you pieces of bread when we serve for communion. And you know, that little piece of bread sometimes sometimes makes us forget. That little piece of bread makes us forget that really it's just one piece of a larger loaf. And Paul says, here's what we do. When we celebrate this family meal, we not only celebrate our solidarity with Christ, our connection with God through Christ, because he redeemed us, he bought us back with his blood, but we remember that that we are all a part of one big loaf. And so it affirms our connection with one another as well. And, and we do this. And in fact, the next chapter in 1 Corinthians, he said, here's the problem. You're taking communion, celebrating Jesus' forgiveness of you and, and his unconditional love for you, no matter what your skin color is, no matter how rich or poor you are, no matter what your background is, he just accepts you. But at the same time, even as you're taking the table of the Lord, you're holding unforgiveness towards others. You're not willing to give to others what Jesus gave to you. And you're prejudiced and you're, and you're classifying people and some people are being left out and some people are being honored. And he said, this is an offense to the heart of God. You've got to remember, you're all part of the same loaf. 
And so as a result, uh, we, we, when we come to this table of the Lord, we, we, we always want to do heart homework. We want to make sure we never take from the table of the Lord while we're holding unforgiveness towards other people. In fact, a page out of church history, listen to this description of first century worship in the early church. In the first century, the Lord's Supper included not only the bread and the cup, but an entire meal. Hey, maybe we ought to get back to that. An entire meal. And as part of the meal, neighbors who had quarreled made peace again. Why? Because you were coming to the table of the Lord. And when we took the bread, we were reaffirming that we're all a part of the same loaf. And we're connected to one another. And then in that next chapter, chapter 11, Paul also reminds us of our purpose. For he says, for whenever you eat this bread and whenever you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's coming. You proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Someday, after Jesus, when Jesus comes, we will never do this again. Because Jesus has his own meal. God, our Heavenly Father prepared his own meal for us. It's called the wedding supper of the Lamb. It's the wedding reception meal as we are joined to Christ and rule with him forever. But until that day, he said, take this until I come again. Which reminds me that the clock is ticking. Jesus himself said, Jesus himself said, work while it's day for the night's coming when no one can work. I mean, be, until Jesus comes, let's keep making sure somebody's at the other end of that phone line. Let's keep making sure that the body of Christ is building itself in love as every part does its work and as we stay joined together in holy connection with one another. Let's make sure that, that we're not lagging in our passion. I mean, those three words, God, people, purpose, that's our passion as a church. You hear us talk about it all the time, but it's all embedded right here, connected to God, connected to people, but reminding us that our purpose ultimately, and he's gonna call you as engineers, he's gonna call you as secretaries, going to call you as teachers. Some of you is going to call as preachers, but all of us are living out the purpose. We're all ministers, and we're saying Jesus is coming again, and every time I take the meal, I'm reminded that our time is limited. The clock is running out in this world, and I'm spilling it all over myself on top of it. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's coming again, and we're his people. And he's the living head. And he's given us his resurrection power. Lord, I'm so grateful for the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm so grateful for your power, your life. I'm so grateful for your love and your strength. I'm so grateful, Lord. Oh, we all worship you and praise you today. And so, Lord, we, as the worship team comes, if they would, Lord, we all just... Take the bread. Would you just take that wafer that you have right now? Paul said, is not the bread that we take participation in the body of Christ, for we are all from the same loaf in Christ. Thank you for our brothers and sisters. Thank you. You were broken for our healing, Lord, that your body was broken for us. As we break bread today in your honor, we just ask you to forgive, Lord, us, but also just deal with any unforgiveness in our hearts towards others. Let us not take this bread, withholding from others what you've freely given to us, acceptance and love and forgiveness.
My God, thank you. Thank you for how much you overlooked in my life when you bought me back with your blood and your body was broken for me. And Lord, help me, help us all to keep giving that to one another in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. We just take the bread with me with thanksgiving in honor to the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We take the cup, Lord, in our hands. We thank you. You bought us back. You who made us. He also bought us. We're twice owned. If we're not twice owned, uh, we can't change the fact you created us, but I pray. I just want to ask you, he did create you. He did put a God-shaped hole in your life. He wants desperately a loving relationship with you that's two-way. And if you don't know Jesus, I just invite you right now to ask him to forgive your, your rebellion, your sin, your self-will. That arrogance that says, I don't need God. I don't need my creator anymore. Just ask him to forgive you all the things you polluted your life with. He's here just to wash you clean in this moment because he shed his blood and bought you back. So we say yes to it, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And the rest of us, we just give you praise that you bought us back and that you've made our lives new. And so in thanksgiving to you, we take the cup and we remember till the day you come again that uh, we are yours and uh, we're on your mission. Thank you for it. In Jesus' name, let's take the cup together. <laughs>